Hello and welcome back to Trennis Magnus, Jab's Reality, presented by Two True Freaks. I'm your host, Magnus, and uh, I think by now I'm probably pretty well established among the royal elite of Zack Snyder apologists, or at least DCEU apologists. But uh, if you've heard the episode that I did of Trennis Magnus, Jab's Reality regarding Justice League, and if you detected in my comments that there was there's been a little bit of a sea change with all of that i'm not exactly here to tell you you're wrong all right uh basically i've had a lot of thoughts about the direction of the dceu particularly as it relates to at least the elements of the dceu that i cherish the most but I thought, you know, maybe what I need to do is just have a have a show where I can at least start talking my way through all of this and just try to figure out, you know, where exactly is it that, that I'm going to land. Now, this is the sort of thing that, I don't know, it just didn't seem like this is, this was something that I wanted to do alone. And so what I, what I wanted to do is just kind of cast, uh, cast my gaze around the podcasting community and see if I could team up with somebody who pretty well understands where I'm coming from and honestly you know guys the list is actually kind of short uh there were not as many people like when I wanted to talk about Man of Steel there were no shortage of uh, of options to choose from you know and when I wanted to talk about Batman v Superman obviously no shortage of options to choose from but I guess coming at this from the standpoint of somebody who's enjoyed the DCEU up to this point and maybe is starting to reassess that post-Justice League, that point of view is not as common as at least I would have first thought. So, um, and, and in a weird kind of way, I mean, that's almost like damning with faint praise the person that I'm trying to introduce, but, you know, it's... it's maybe this is the most... Um, effective way, I guess, of introducing and welcoming back to the show for the first time since the summer of 2017, as I recall, Rebecca Johnson. Hello, and how you doing? Hey, I'm doing pretty well. Thanks for uh, having me back, and I, I, I totally identify with everything you just said, so I'm excited to talk about Justice League and all things DCEU with you. Cool, and, uh, and obviously I'm glad to have you because uh, one of the things that I've kind of noticed is... The, the shows that include you, those episodes tend to get downloaded that extra little bit. And so <laughs> I, 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 the most I can figure is your listeners say, oh, my God, Rebecca's uh, she's got another show. out. Let's go listen to it. Then they start listening. They're like, who's this jerk? You know, and anyway, so. <laughs> no, well, I, I, uh, I hope that any time I can come on and I, I'll, I'll add some sort of value to your show. <laughs> and so far, you're batting a thousand. So thank you very much for joining in now. Um, I, I kind of want to start this off, you know, like right from the top, putting you on the spot, right? Like you've you've just gotten your ticket, you've gone to see Justice League, you're coming out of the movie theater, and now you have to decide, oh my God, what did I just see? Like, what were your first thoughts coming out of uh, coming out of the movie? Well, I went to see Justice League for the first time. There was a fan screening on November 13th. And so I went with my friend Monica. We were going to go and just have a good time. We're going to go see a movie. I was I was sort of uh, anxious and maybe a little nervous as I went in because I didn't know what to expect because there were a lot of rumors that had circulated that, you know, all the reshoots were more than we thought they were. And so I, I was I was 
there was a lot of trepidation on my part as I went in. Right. But um, but I had a lot of fun hanging out with my friend Monica, and I actually enjoyed my time in the theater as we were watching it. You know, because the crowd makes a big difference. Like everybody was like, oh, you know, especially with the uh, the Heroes Park sequence when the Flash and Superman or, or Clark Kent, you know, ha- just being, you know, just uh, having res- resurrected. They have that moment that's really great, and you know, the crowd the crowd in the theater, you know, really enjoyed that. And we all had a good time. But as I walked out of the theater, it was really interesting because when I went to go see uh, Batman v Superman for the first time at a, another fan screening, mm. I had met this young teenage uh, kid. I, I just talked to him in the line. We were, you know, kind of talking. So we kind of uh, had a reunion of sorts at this fan screening for Justice League because I saw him again because he lives in my area. Mm-hmm. And as we walked out of the theater, you know, I, I was uh, obviously a little shaken by what I had seen because it was not the movie I was sold. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I asked him point blank. I was like, well, so what'd you think? And he, he immediately, like, his face dropped it was it, his disappointment sort of mirrored mine and my immediate thought was if i had to rank it at this point i would say i'd give it like a 7 out of 10 but for me the the more that i went to go see it two more times and the more that i watched it it just it didn't get better on rewatch which is very odd because like with man of steel and with batman v superman and even wonder woman and to an extent suicide squad they all got better the more I watched them mm-hmm. and Justice League I felt like yeah, I just I had a sinking feeling every time I watched it so um, the initial you know excitement of watching the movie that I've been waiting for so long to see just ended up in <laughs> frustration and disappointment and uh, the more that I think about it and the more that's come out about everything that was cut you know you look back at those trailers and there's a lot of stuff that's not there and it's just I, you know, I, I felt, and I know this is a little melodramatic, but I was devastated. You know, I felt like that there was a movie there that I would have wanted to see that I, I didn't get. Well, as you probably know, the, like, a lot of, a lot of my enjoyment of the DCEU, like, up to this point has been, I would say it was predicated on Superman, and then it eventually sort of expanded a little bit, and it came to encompass... Uh, Batman as well you know and those were they were kind of my guys you know and you know watching this movie I mean you know for for Batman's participation in it I really did enjoy that because what I kind of like about the DCEU which whether anybody likes it or not now includes Justice League is that there are a couple of different trilogies that are floating around in there you know it's kind of like interactive filmmaking in its own sort of way you know, where Superman in Man of Steel, Batman v Superman, and I would, I, I kind of, from a structural standpoint, kind of have to lump Justice League in, in there as well. He has a very clear and defined character arc. He goes on a journey, and then he completes that journey, and so if and when we see this character again in movies to come, he's going to have, I would imagine, a new story, you know? And same thing with Batman. I mean, he started off in one particular place, and now he's he's going in a different direction and I what I assume is going to happen you know if gossip and rumors are to be believed uh, his this uh, solo this upcoming solo Batman movie is perhaps going to complete the the arc that he's that we see him start in Batman uh, v Superman and then develop in in Justice League that is where I would imagine you know things are going to go 
and you know same thing for wonder woman she's got her own little trilogy of uh and it's kind of told quentin tarantino style where we get the ending then the beginning and then the resolution and um i don't know it's it's just kind of it's just kind of interesting to it and so like i say there's a couple of different trilogies that are that are floating around in this series that's going on right now but you know for the most part you know one of the things that just kind of bothered me on on just like the fanboy level is you know i'm i'm a superman fan from way back and i realized this this movie is what it's supposed to be is what happens when superman is not around you know um things could have gone a whole lot smoother or for that matter goings on with steppenwolf and all and all that stuff might not have even happened at all but for batman's hubris you know his own anger and vengeance you know and so a lot of characters are living with a lot of different ramifications of choices that they've made and i like that from you know the standpoint of myth and story and world building and all that but at the end of the day what i really like is the idea of watching superman beat the snot out of steppenwolf you know sure sure you know in that sort of climactic sequence near the end of the movie what i what i at least took from this is that this is what could have happened you know from the start if it hadn't been for batman basically gumming up the works you know and so there is you know all the devastation and suffering and all that stuff that happened there is a sense in which batman kind of owns that but it's all sort of buried underneath this this kind of uh, uh, sugar-coated, uh, candy-colored, uh, one-line spouting, just kind of miasma. You know, it's it's like this is sort of like a dueling movie. It's like it doesn't know if it wants to be Joss Whedon or if it wants to be Zack Snyder. And this is the two great tastes that don't taste great together really at all. And the movie that Zack Snyder shot and somewhat edited is constantly struggling to break out of this shiny happy kinder gentler joss whedon movie and i don't think that the tension benefits the the movie really at all like where are you coming from on that yeah i would agree i mean in terms of stakes there aren't really any i i think what what Zack snyder and chris terrio were were going for in these movies uh is not what they ended up putting out in Justice League. And I think that's really unfortunate because I think the uh, the, pr- the premise of their entire, I guess, thesis was basically, you know, these heroes are great, but they're great because they give us an example of what we can be. You know, we're just humans. We don't have superpowers, but we can be heroes. And and I, I think that they, they really didn't land that in the movie. And I think that that's what made Henry Cavill's Superman so great to me is that he gave me an example of, you know, what it was like to try to go up against a, you know, a bully and try to, you know, uh, calm yourself and handle things correctly and do the right thing or, or something like that. You know, it gave, it gave, uh, he seemed to be more of an an example of how you should uh, be a hero and what it looks like to be a hero. And I, I I felt like I was really disappointed in Superman and Justice League because I didn't recognize 
that same character. He was not the same to me. And and going in, I knew he would be a little different because when I, you know, I, I guess, you know, I've never experienced this myself, but when you, you know, rise again from the dead, you're probably <laughs> going to be a little different than when you died and were buried in the ground. So I expected him to be a little more confident. I expected him to be more assured of himself as a hero and, and be able to have a, a little more optimistic attitude. Mm-hmm. But they took that and they cranked it up to 11 to the point that I didn't even recognize him anymore. When he shows up at the very end of the movie, when they're all fighting Steppenwolf, I was like, who is this guy? Like he all of a sudden has super breath and all of this stuff. And I'm just like, what, what is happening here? So I, I think they, I, for me as a Superman fan and as somebody who really liked what Zack Snyder had achieved with this new iteration of Superman, I was really let down because I felt like they, tried to cater to the people who just want Superman to be this lighthearted character who, um, you know, never struggles, never has any problems. And it, it just became to the, it got to the point where I hadn't, I couldn't see the same character that was in the first, uh, two movies. And I I think that's really unfortunate because the whole movie, the premise of the story is about him. It's about him coming back. And what, like you said, the world, what, what is that world like without him? And I think one of the bigger missteps with Superman is that they didn't really show us the world without Superman. They showed a little bit of a, a musical montage that kind of showed that people were struggling with each other and treating each other badly. And I think that there was probably more of a Zack Snyder musical montage that was in there that they got rid of Mm -hmm. because Zack Snyder, one of his director trademarks is that he usually opens a movie with, you know, uh, with just visuals and music. He doesn't, you know, uh, have to give you any dialogue. He, he tells the story with just the visuals. And I think that's probably how the movie originally started before they had, you know, uh, mustache Superman right at the beginning of the movie. Hmm. So I, and, and the whole fact that there, you know, there's just one Russian family they have to save, but they don't really show the wider picture of the world. And I think that's what I would have liked to have seen because especially in Batman v Superman and man of steel, they showed us the world's reaction to Superman. And it would have been really cool to see more of how the world would have you know, been elated by the fact that Superman had come back. So I think Superman was one of the the bigger disappointments for me in the movie because I felt like they they went so far to get rid of what Zack Snyder had done before and they replaced him with a character I didn't really recognize. Yeah, I tend to agree. And, you know, the thing about it was, uh, and I'm not trying to, you know, lay blame or anything like that, but, you know, you made some very uh, politic and very, but still kind of cryptic Facebook posts about your reaction really to the movie in general. But I think what you were specifically talking about was the Danny Elfman score. And, um, (laughs) you know, basically, you know, if I could, and if you believe I'm not summarizing you properly, please do correct me. But the, the, I, I can't remember word for word, like verbatim what you said, but I do, I do remember getting the sense that this this film score really was kind of a kind of a dud for you, and so I thought, well, you know, uh, how bad can it really be? You know, I mean, it's Danny Elfman, and he's doing his Batman shtick again for God knows what reason, and you know, this could be good, and so I I bought it, and it's like uh, I forget how long it is, but it's I want to. I want to say it's probably like an hour and a half of virtually nonstop meh. There's just <laughs> nothing in there that that really 
grabs me, you know? And, I mean, I've never been a big Elfman guy to begin with anyway. I like his Batman stuff, but otherwise... And a little bit of his Spider-Man stuff, but otherwise, I mean, the guy's had an entire career primarily full of film scores that I find, you know, imminently forgettable. So I guess what's one more? But for some reason, this one just hits all the harder because of, you know, I mean, he said something that I thought was like incredibly hypocritical, like a couple of things that were like totally hypocritical, you know, one of which was, uh, paraphrasing again, I'm going to use my uh, Batman theme, which, you know, as the composer of the movie, he has that right. And I'm going to toss out what Junkie XL did, which I absolutely loved in Batman v Superman. And then on top of that, I'm also going to haul the John Williams hero theme for Superman out of mothballs and, you know, maybe put a darker coat of paint on it. Let's just see what we can do with that. But having thrown out all these other composers work, this guy has the gall to say that he's created sort of motifs for the other characters that he hopes future composers will respect it's like, which is it, dude? You can't have it both ways. So anyway, back to you. Yeah, no, I, I would agree. I I think for me, when Danny Elfman was announced as the replacement composer and Junkie XL was let go from the movie, that was one of the moments where I was like, I'm a little, I'm starting to be a little worried about this. Because initially when Zack Snyder stepped down because of his family tragedy, which I totally respect him for, he's a good father and a good husband uh, for doing that. And I think he did right by his family for that because family is more important than movies. So I, I, but when he stepped down, I was, I was thinking, well, you know, they'll probably still just go with what, you know, he set out to do and they'll try to you know, honor what he wanted to do with the movie, even if he's not there. And when Junkie XL was let go, I was like, oh, this could be the start of them trying to step away from his his vision. And then when the, uh, I think there was a San Diego Comic-Con trailer that came out uh, right, you know, those, what, five, six months before the movie was released. And it had uh, this music in the trailer that sounded like it was a slowing down of the Zimmer Superman theme and it was really awesome it was like majestic and that it sort of seemed like it could have they could have even turned it into a Justice League theme and it just it made the trailer awesome I was like whose music is this if this is the Danny Elfman stuff I can feel better I can I can sleep at night knowing this is this is what's coming in the movie and then when I I listened to the Justice League score uh, maybe a week or so before the movie came out. Maybe it was a couple of days. It might have even been a couple of days. I listened to each track, and it was gen- first of all, it was so generic. It, mm-hmm. There was there was nothing in there that was even remotely remem- memorable to me. And it sounded like he used his Batman '89 theme in almost every track. Yeah. I would hear I would hear it all the time. And it really infuriated me because it's one thing to do like an homage and just drop it in for a moment and back out like he did with the Superman theme. Like, fine, if you're going to disrespect Hans Zimmer and Junkie XL by doing that, fine, whatever. But he, which I do have a problem with, by the way, because the entire premise of the DCEU was that they were going to start from scratch, that they were going to pick up a Superman comic and act like nobody had made a movie about this character before. And so using the John Williams Superman theme just spat in the face of everything that they worked on. Right. And I, I just, I find that so disrespectful. Um, but the, the Batman 89 theme, I just, I could not let that go because like you said, he was a hypocrite and uh, very egotistical when he talked about that. 
and it just it didn't fit like it wasn't even uh there was no continuity between movies and people people bash on the junkie xl thing but there's i mean i'm no film composer so maybe i'm speaking out of uh you know uh some ignorance here but it seems like to me that you could still take the junkie xl batman theme from bvs and you could turn, you could flip it. You know, it's very angry in the movie. It's that dun, 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 dun. You could still flip it and make that sound heroic. And he, that, to me, that's what he should have done with that um, in Justice League. Because in the movie, Bruce Wayne is in a better place. He wants to do right by Superman. He wants to form a team to help save the world. And that should have been reflected in his musical uh motifs in the movie but he I, I i get that danny elfman didn't have a lot of time and he was pushed into a situation where he you know was composing to storyboards and not act, the actual film but it's just it's it's so lazy what he did and then he he inserted his hulk theme in there he inserted the avengers theme when the, like the avengers music came up when the justice league came out of the bat cave and i was like oh my gosh wow. this is so horrible uh so i i have a lot of problems with what danny elfman did in justice league and i think the most uh, disrespectful and uh, the the most uh, mind-boggling choice he made was to never use the Hans Zimmer Superman Clark Kent theme. It's yeah. the most mind-boggling thing. Like of all the pieces of music in the DCEU to use, that should have been in there. The whole movie is about Superman coming back from the dead triumphantly, and I I just I cannot wrap my brain around why you would not use that track. The the what are you gonna do when you're not saving the world? Mm -hmm. It's one of the best pieces of music. I don't want to hype it up too much, but one of the one of my favorite pieces of music in the world. Mm -hmm. And it should have been in there in some capacity, and he didn't use it. And it's it's it just it blows my mind. I have no idea why he made the choices he did. I'm right there with you, and <clears throat> you know, for I'm not completely sure when I'm going to be listening or listening. I'm not completely sure when I'm going to be releasing. Uh, you know, this episode, I may sit on it for, a, for a, you know, a week or two. But um, to your point about, you know, tone, style, and continuity and all that stuff, I'm getting ready to launch this Batman mega series. Uh, it's going to be like 24 parts long. And one of the things, you know, if I, if I had never known it before, I would have learned this just going through all of these different Batman comics is that, you know, you you know batman he's got so many different musical identities that can that can function i think very well with you know different points of his publication history there's not there's literally no single piece of music that can fully encompass everything that it, that this character has ever been and so you know the the consequence of this is that every, not necessarily every single episode but several different episodes are going to use different uh, different pieces of music, just depending on, you know, the comic book that's that's being that's being talked about, you know. So sometimes it's going to be Elfman, or maybe other times it's going to be Zimmer, or maybe other times it's going to be. Actually, I, I think I've even got one episode that it's not even really Batman at all. It's just Wagner, you know. And there are there are so many different ways that Batman has been portrayed that you don't really have the option of using just one piece of music. And so to me. It's almost like missing the the entire point of the character to to say, well, you know, yeah, I can I can recognize that, 
there's been an Elliot Goldenthal score, and there's been a Hans Zimmer score, and, pro- and uh, probably others. Uh, what's his name? Drake that did the the Dark Knight uh, Returns animated movie. You know, there've been right. there's been all this Batman music out there, but none of that stuff is really good enough, at least for me and my lofty standards. I'm gonna use my thing and. I don't know. I mean, if he'd at least alternated, uh, you know, with his with his Batman music, or or for that matter, maybe maybe turn this into kind of like a Batman like musical pastiche where he can, you know, just kind of wink at you know different uh, a bunch of different uh, you know themes and whatnot. Because Batman really is a different person at the end of Justice League than he was at the beginning of BVS. And so, you know, maybe the music can kind of reflect that evolution. I mean, there's a lot of different ways that you can do this, but it's like when you called it, you know, egotistical, I kind of have to think there's something to that, you know, and that all of that just sort of leads into, you know, what I thought were, you know, some some kind of positive elements of the movie. It was fun watching Superman just so effortlessly beat the snot out of Steppenwolf. You know, is this guy still bothering you? You know, and. The, I mean, I am a guy. I do have those. I do have those chromosomes, and so watching people beat the crap out of each other in a movie is—that's a lot of fun for me. You know, I like watching that, especially if one of those people is Superman. You know, really hits the fanboy buttons. But, you know, the there was a there was this you know blink and you moment and you miss a little sequence where the team brings Superman's body into the uh, the wrecked ship in an attempt to bring him back from the dead and I just didn't really care for one interpretation I had of that scene is that this is the one moment in the entire movie when you do hear that that brief little bit of Hans Zimmer music and I think that this was this wasn't anything that Danny Elfman did I think they just tracked in old Hans Zimmer music from one of the previous movies and then they just used that in this Again, blink and you miss it moment, but, you know, it's like the instant the lights come up in the ship, there it is, you know? And this is the moment when Superman comes back from the dead, and it's like, this is the moment you're going to use that... It's almost like, well, we're burying the old Superman, saying goodbye forever, and the guy that comes out of the water is going to be Superman with John Williams, you know? And it... Maybe I'm just reading too much into that scene, but it kind of felt like somebody spitting in my face a little bit. You know, I mean, I don't know. Uh, do you think I'm I'm being a little too sensitive there, or or am I am I maybe onto something? No, I mean, I think that's an interesting way of looking at it. I mean, I definitely would agree that 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 could be the case, and, and especially in terms of you know, a, you know, burying him in the water and sort of you know, uh, baptizing him into this new this new creation that. Uh, is not really new. If you use the John Williams Superman music, then it's you're going backwards, which is the whole reason that I am really against that kind of thing. It's like you tried to get out of that that. Uh, I think David Goyer called it like uh, being stuck in amber. Like Superman was stuck in amber for a long time. If you if you watch you know Jurassic Park and you have that image of you know the the what it was some sort of insect was stuck in amber. Like that's it's what like I a think mosquito, of. Yeah. yeah, like that's what I think of when I think of like the John Williams 
uh, Richard Donner, Christopher Reeve movies, like Superman really was stuck in amber for a long time. They tried to uh, use his stuff in Smallville. They used it in Superman Returns. There was um, not as much in Superman, the animated series, but it felt like they could never get away from that. And then all of a sudden you have Man of Steel, you have Batman v Superman. And for me, Superman was fresh again. Like he was, he was a unique thing. This was a new story. They weren't trying to depend on that stuff. And now all of a sudden in Justice, Justice League, they went back to that. And it was it was everything I didn't want to see. I wanted to see something new. And so, yeah, I, th- I think that, you know, you do hear a little bit of that kind of Kryptonian music when they go into the, obviously, the Kryptonian ship. Mm-hmm. But I, I just, I kind of feel like, why why wouldn't you use more of that in the movie? That's that's when it felt like those movies were tied together is when the, the I, I think the score is so important, especially with these these movies, you know, uh, especially Man of Steel and Batman v Superman. The scores are really good. Mm-hmm. They're really, really, really good. And so when you have this more generic kind of, eh, you know, I'll just throw some things in there kind of score. It, it, it It's a complete letdown and it doesn't it doesn't tie everything together. And I think that that's what's really unfortunate is that that kind of continuity was so needed in the movie to help really bridge that gap. And uh, so, yeah, I mean, you could you could look at it as they were, uh, re, you know, the Superman was having this rebirth. But I don't even think it's a you know, it's a rebirth because he he's he's new. But then he's also the same thing he always was if you go back to using that music. So, yeah. I, I, again, I just think it's a weird choice. I couldn't agree more. And. You know, having said all of that stuff, you know, coming out of the coming out of the movie and you know wrestling with all of, all of these different ideas and everything, the lasting question that I had is, where do we go from here? And the <clears throat> you know the thing about it is, you know, I've said, and I, I was not kidding when I said this. I mean, I was I was very serious. You know, I didn't, you know, as a Superman fan. I'm happy to have Man of Steel, but I don't really need it. I never needed it. You know, I've got 10 seasons of Smallville. I've got all of the uh, the uh, Christopher Reeve Superman movies. I've got Superman the Animated Series, something like 50 or 55 years of Superman comics that I love and enjoy and cherish. And there's plenty of Superman stuff out there for me. And so if somebody wants to give me another Superman movie, my opinion back in 2013 was that, okay, well, I'm happy to have it. I don't really need it, you know? And in a lot of ways, I'm not sure if that's completely true of, uh, of Batman because the way I always saw Batman and just who this character is and, in and how he lives in my imagination, it's going to be a variation on what we saw in Batman v Superman. So I think I did it. I, I, I did want at least another, at least one more Batman movie. But, you know, just broadly speaking, you know, I don't, I never really thought I needed the DCEU, but, you know, here it is anyway, and was really enjoying it for a while there. But it's just, I look at what the future may bring, and, you know, there's all this uh, speculation about Affleck's continued uh, participation you know, as Batman and going forward with the the DCEU and what may or may not end up happening there. No one seems to have a straight answer about uh, another solo Superman movie. And it's just, as I look around, I see less and less and less that 
captures any kind of interest for me. And, you know, I mean, I, I've kind of checked out on, on Marvel, uh, Marvel movies. I mean, that happened quite a while ago. I don't really care about those movies. And so, you know, they don't really mean anything to me one way or the other, either to love them or to hate them. And it looks like X-Men, they're about to get, I would assume they're probably going to get some kind of a reboot or something like that. And so really the last man standing for me really was the DCEU in terms of, you know, movies that are coming out right now about characters that I love and enjoy and look forward to seeing. And now it looks like those are going to go away as well. And so I just, I have no way of knowing what's, you know, what's going to come, but I'm not sure it's going to turn out all that well. I mean, how do you see things playing out? Like, where are you coming from in all this? I, I mean, you know, I was, I was heavily interested in these movies. I, I'm, I'm a huge fan of Man of Steel, Batman v Superman, Wonder Woman, and even Suicide Squad to a degree. I'm a huge fan of those movies and Justice League really, to be quite honest, let out some air, let out some steam for, for my enthusiasm and my excitement for that universe. Um, so it's, it's been really difficult for me. I, I've been in this, uh, you know, admittedly this, uh, weird, uh, stupid, um, period of mourning. Mm-hmm. Like I know, I know it sounds really, really dumb and it is, but I really mourn what happened with this because it, it was almost like justice league was like a, a backward step and it was dumbing down uh, a, a universe that I felt was really, intellectually stimulating and exciting and so it has it has some let out some air for me and it's it's been it's been difficult for me to be excited about what's coming up i think shazam i am looking forward to uh, i don't think i'll be following the news of that i'll, I'll probably go see it when it comes out but i'm not going to go see it at like a midnight screening i'll i'll go see it because i really like zachary levi Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think the Aquaman movie could be good, but it's now it's becoming difficult because, you know, how am I going to trust that you, uh, that you are going to put out a movie that's based on what the director wanted to do when you've stepped in and you messed up Batman v Superman, you stepped in and, uh, changed things with Suicide Squad. You stepped in and manipulated things to Justice League where it was this weird Frankenstein of a movie. How am I going to be excited about going to see these movies when I don't even trust that you're going to put out what you wanted to achieve with the director who signed on to make this movie? So it's it's really hard to put some faith into that. Mm-hmm. And the the other thing that I think is really strange is I don't think they have a real plan for any of this. Like it doesn't it doesn't seem like they have goals and objectives they want to achieve. Like the, the lineup of these movies keeps changing. At one point they said they were going to do Gotham city sirens. Then I've heard, Oh no, they might be doing a birds of prey movie, which I would love. But it's like, if you're going to do these things, stick to them, you know, try to see it through to the end, pick something, tell a great story, make an awesome movie and stick to it. I think that's, that's, and you know, we were talking about the, the Batman solo movie. Well, who knows if that's going to get made? They've been talking about it forever, but nobody seems to know anything about it. Nobody's doing anything about it. So it's very, 
it's very hard to get excited about something when you have no idea what's coming and you have no idea. Like I hope James Wan like locks himself in an edit bay and doesn't let anybody come in and mess with his movie. So I, I, I think it's for me, it's just very strange to have. I almost feel like the universe that I really loved got hijacked yeah. and uh, and taken to to please other people who weren't even excited about the universe to begin with. And so it's it for me, it's it's really defeating and and makes me not excited about what's coming. But, you know, I try to I, I'm, I'm mostly a positive person. I try to I try to look on the the silver linings of everything. And so, you know, there, there are going to be movies that come out and I'll go see them. Um, but I don't think I'm going to be as invested in, in them as I once was. Well, and I, I, I tend to agree with that. And the, you know, like the thing about it is with, you know, some of the rumors that are floating around right now, you know, uh, I'm not sure how seriously to take any of this, but this thing that keep, just keeps popping up is that, you know, there are there are going to be more Batman movies, but they're not necessarily going to be DCEU Batman movies. And they're going to be more Superman movies, but they may not be DCEU Superman movies. And uh, there's going to be a Suicide Squad uh, sequel. That will be DCEU, but the Batman movie that we may end up making in the end could have nothing at all to do with anything to do with this Suicide Squad. And it's like this really weird and kind of neurotic way of of building a universe and all of this basically it seems like is being done to appease people that you know they didn't like man of steel because of uh, i don't know style or tone or, or or just whatever it is that their baggage with that movie was and the same thing with batman v superman tone style or, or just whatever else didn't really get into that as well and now they hate justice league because it looks like warner brothers is trying too hard and so it looks to me like warner brothers didn't please the haters and now they didn't please the lovers either you know they've pretty well ice you know alienated both camps and it it just kind of leaves me to wonder you know who exactly is supposed to watch these movies now you know yeah, I, I think that's a really good point because um, f- for me, it's it's like I don't yeah, I, I don't know what what I'm supposed to be excited about anymore because you're you're now making movies that I, I don't even want to watch. And I'm I'm the person who went to go see Batman v Superman 15 times in the theater. And I think that uh, the unfortunate thing is that they are not even concerned about making good movies. And I think that's the biggest misstep. It's not even about if, oh, you're making this Superman movie that people are going to say, hey, that's my Superman. I think I think you have to go back to the drawing board and say, let's just make a good movie. And I think that that's what made Man of Steel so good. I think that's what made Batman v Superman so good. I think that's what made Wonder Woman good is that they went at it not in terms of, hey, let's build a universe or, hey, let's, uh, you know, tell the greatest Wonder Woman movie that, that has ever been told. I think they they did it thinking, let's make a really, really great movie. And for me, before I'm I would even label myself as a DC fan. I would label myself as a film fan. I don't want to just go and be, you know, okay with an, an uh, a mediocre Justice League movie. I want a fantastic Justice League movie. I, you know, I want a good movie uh, for starters. So I think if 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 anybody wanted to take my advice, which I'm sure no one does, 
But if if I could give any advice, it would just be go back to the drawing board, tell the best story that you can, honor the characters, and have some awesome vi- visuals to tell your story. And that's all you really need to do to get people back on board is just make really, really good movies. Don't care about those people on Rotten Tomatoes. They don't know what they're talking about anyway. So just make good movies. And I think that that's what was the difference for me with the DCEU, because like you were talking about, I gave up on the MCU after Ant-Man because that movie, I was just like, this is uh, an average movie at best. I don't even think it was that great. It didn't take stakes seriously. I didn't, I wasn't invested in the characters. So I just quit watching those MCU movies because I felt like they were the same thing every time. And so what was so refreshing to me with the DCEU is that they felt fresh. They felt different. It was, it was trying to do something that hadn't been done before. And so if you just make the same movies over and over again, people are going to get tired of them. I think there is a real situation with oversaturation and doing the thing, you know, copying Marvel and those kinds of things, which I, I do think they did a little little bit with Justice League. And I think that's partially, in my opinion, why it failed a little bit, because I think people had been accustomed to going to see a DC movie and have and be challenged with their their opinions, be challenged with what they thought a movie was like or what they expected from it. And when you don't get that challenge, it's just like, no, okay, that was fine, but it wasn't, you know, that great. So I think uh, if if moving forward, if they just make the coolest Aquaman movie they can make. I think it will be fine. If they go forward and make an awesome Shazam movie that's like a, you know, start to finish a great movie, I think that will start to build a little more faith back into, to me anyway, that that they are more focused on making good movies and not just spitting them out just because they they need to. I agree. And one of the things that, I mean, look, you know, if you and I can just be real with each other for just a moment, I mean, the comparisons between Batman v Superman and Captain America Civil War were kind of inevitable when those movies came out because you have a hero who not only fights an, you know, another hero, but there are very different worldview, uh, very different worldviews that are separating, you know, the two from one another. And it really actually makes a lot of uh, you know, sense that they might actually come to blows after a certain point. And, you know, the 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 dramatic thrust of both of those movies, they're they're actually really similar when you when you start thinking about it. And the difference but but one key difference between the two of them, at least for me, is that Batman v Superman looked like a real film. You know? Mm, it it yeah. that, that's what a film is supposed to look like. You know, it's supposed to do uh, do things and show things and I'm not even talking necessarily about substance this is just the we're talking just about visuals here you know uh, I'm kind of a Larry Fong fanboy anyway but you know oh yeah the way that he lights and shoots a movie there's no one out there that does it quite the way he does and whenever you you pair him up with uh, with Zack Snyder there's something about that that just I can't even really quantify it but it just looks very cinematic to me that's what a movie needs to be like you know and you compare that to Civil War, where it was shot to be watched on an iPhone, possibly shot it with an iPhone, and <laughs> it just doesn't really look, it looks kind of very, it just looks very TV to me, you know? And I don't, I mean, it's just, 
throwing away one of the few things that really separates your brand in the marketplace. It just seems to me like that's a really bad idea. Now, having said all of that, you know, there's allegedly a Nightwing movie that's coming down the pipeline, and if the director's enthusiasm is anything to judge by, this could be a really cool movie, you know, because he keeps talking about doing all of these acrobatics and stunts, you know, without wires or anything like that. Uh, no CGI, no no green screen or anything like that, just as much stunts and, you know, practical type stuff in camera as he possibly can. And for a character like Nightwing, that could really go, go down like gangbusters. But, you know, so I don't want any, I'm not trying to discourage anyone, but I do kind of want to raise awareness that at least for Batman and Superman, I'm kind of leery about the future, but... At the same time, this is all tempered by the fact that I still don't need these movies. Happy to have them. Don't need them, you know? Yeah, and I think uh, your point about things being cinematic, I, I one of the things that I really gravitate, gravitated towards in a Zack Snyder interview is that he was giving advice to future filmmakers, and he said, the most important tool that you have as a filmmaker is your perspective. And I think that that was... Uh, missing, especially in Justice League and, and what I hope doesn't happen with the rest of those movies, especially with, you know, Nightwing, those kinds of things, if, if the director is really excited about. Um, I think what makes the, the Snyder movies especially stand out is that there is a definite perspective. Love it or hate it, he had a perspective. He was telling a story from his point of view and trying to help you understand how he saw those characters. And I think that the the future movies would benefit from that kind of thing. If, if the Nightwing director has a real love for the character, tell a story based on how you see Nightwing and help us understand how you see the character. And so I think that that is what, what is missing from some of those movies that don't feel quite as cinematic. Like you, 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 compared it to a TV episode. And I think that that there's something to that, especially, you know, when I think about justice league, uh, to me, I can tell what was shot by, um, a Zack Snyder mind and what was shot by Joss Whedon, because a lot of the Joss Whedon stuff is just very boring. Like it's just very, you know, it gets the shot it's there, but it doesn't really show you anything. It doesn't give you any perspective. It's just, you know, a, like a, for example, like a just a close up of someone talking. There, you know, it's a it's a thing that's there in the camera. It does its job, but it doesn't add anything extra. And I I think for me, that's what I really like about watching movies is being able to see that perspective from that director, from that. Um, from that person's mind and being able to sort of look into that person's mind and see what they want to tell me. And so I, I think for me, if, if those movies moving forward capture perspective, I think that will really benefit fit them in the long run. Because even when people hated Batman v Superman, I, I forget who the actor is, what his name is. Uh, he was the guy in like the Sorcerer's Apprentice movie with Nicolas Cage, if anybody knows what I'm oh, talking about. Oh, that kid, yeah. I think he was in um, Fanboys, too. Or... He was, yeah, I think he was in Fanboys. He he was also in uh, How to Train a, Your Dragon yeah, yeah, or whatever. Yeah, I, I know who you're talking um, about. Well, he did an interview where he talked about how, you know, even if you don't like Batman v Superman, he's telling a story. There, that 
the movie comes from a real place that helps you understand um, that that perspective. And so other people in the industry recognize that. They can see that like even if you're doing something different, as long as you're telling a story from your point of view, that's the object of filmmaking is is trying to, to show your audience what you what you want them to see. So I hope that moving forward they they go back from trying to make these movies like TV episodes and actually make movies. I agree. And um, <clears throat> if you want me to cut this next part out, I can. All right. But uh, okay. one of the things that became very apparent to me, and this was, I want to say it was probably like 2010 and 2011, 2012 through there. The Internet pretty much broke George Lucas, you know, and that whole George Lucas raped my childhood thing might actually be the very first Internet meme. But, you know. Looking at it from his point of view, he made a movie, whether anyone likes episode one or not, he made a movie that he wanted people, you know, to enjoy. You know, he wasn't out to upset anybody or anything like that. He spent virtually every every dime he had to his name to, to make that movie. And, you know, if you're a director or if you do anything that's in any way artistic, you know, what you want is for uh, you want to create something that you know, people can think about, that people can enjoy and uh, get into, analyze. And his reward for doing all of this, spending something like from the time he started writing the script until the day the movie came out, it was something like five or six years. For his troubles, he was called, and he, you know, taking this huge financial risk for himself. And for all his trouble, he was called a rapist. Now, people may may have meant that, you know, sort of in a sort of joking or teasing kind of way. But at the end of the day, they called somebody who just wanted to make a movie for children a rapist. And that, you know, just so many years of that, I think, is why George Lucas gave that infamous interview where he said, look, I'm done with Star Wars. I'm never going to make another Star Wars movie. These people can all shove off because I don't, you know. And I wouldn't say that he had a meltdown, but he made it pretty clear that he has no interest in going through something like that ever again. And there was this, to kind of relate it back to Zack Snyder, there was this, there was this kind of infamous YouTube video where Amy Adams, she was somewhere or other, and she started reading tweets that people sent to Zack Snyder, and she just had to stop after a while because she just couldn't take it anymore. You know, she was just Oh, that, I've never seen that. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, she was just that, that upset about it. And, you know, I know that the, uh, that the story that we've been told is that he stepped down because of the fact that there was a death in his family. And considering this is going to sound horrible, I disavow it as I say it, but it's like I kind of hope that's true. I hope that's the reason he stepped down. You know, because, you know, if what he's doing is he just wants to take care of his family, this is a horrible thing that, the, that that's happened to them. I wouldn't, there's nobody who's ever lived or died in all of history that deserves to, to, to live through something like that. And so if what he wants to do is, you know, just basically rebuild his family and, uh, you know, because guys, here's a story that never gets told, okay? When a married couple, when they lose a child, their odds of getting a divorce just they're through the roof i mean it's something like 80 percent of couples uh, of married couples that lose a child end up getting a divorce and this is this is something that could very easily destroy his family and so obviously you know i don't want that for him you know whether he makes good movies or not i don't want anyone to have to go through that you know but i've wondered a few times you know 
and again, if this is the part that you want me to cut out, you know, I'll go ahead and do it. But do you think that the reason he stepped off of the movie is really because of the fact that, you know, um, what happened to his family happened? Or is it because he got one too many tweet that was just vulgar in the extreme and he just decided, you know what, hell with this. Life's too short for this kind of abuse. I'm out. Well, I have no reason to doubt why he stepped away. I mean, they did that big uh, interview with the Hollywood Reporter, I think it was, where they explained why he was stepping away. So I think that that was genuine because, it. I mean, it's hard to lose someone in you know that who you loved and in your family who you probably um thought about a lot or uh you know missed and and to go and try to do your job and try to live your life like nothing has happened that's really hard and so i can imagine especially with all the stress of being a filmmaker of such a big movie like justice league would have been um i and so much pressure probably was on him and that that's no good for anybody so i i I don't, I don't know him personally. I, you know, I'm, I'm connected with him on Vero, but we're not like BFS uh, as much as I would like that to be the case. Uh, <laughs> I, I don't know him personally, so I can't say one way or the other. But I imagine that he did step away for the, that personal reason of losing his daughter, okay. um, just because that is probably really hard for someone, for anyone to do. But I do think that while he stepped down, things were probably taken advantage of. Uh, by by people who uh, maybe wanted the movie to change. I do think that that might, you know, they might have capitalized on his departure. Um, so I do think that that was maybe something that happened. All right, fair enough. All right, well, uh, I just at least wanted to, to roll that out there. Um, you know, I, I don't want to turn this into a PSA, but guys, you know, look, if you want to, if you want to criticize a movie or or you know this that or the other thing look go ahead and do it you know it's a it's a free internet but just remember that there's a huge difference between saying i don't like this movie mr director guy and i think you're an asshole mr director guy there's a world of difference between the two and so just just you have compassion people use it I, I would agree with that. And I, I do think that there is something to be said about him getting a lot of hate on the Internet because he at one point was on Twitter quite a bit. And now he's basically abandoned Twitter and he's gone to Vero, which is the, probably the best thing for him because that social media platform is much friendlier and quieter and he can just sort of be himself there. And he doesn't he probably has some haters in his comments every now and then. But it's not like it is on Twitter. And I think it's really unfortunate, like you were saying, that people uh, take the opportunity of, oh, I didn't like this movie. I'm going to hate on this person as an individual. And I do think that that is really unfortunate because you can just not like a movie and walk away from it. You don't have to hate the person who is responsible for it for the rest of your life. And it's really, it's really strange to me that I do see that a lot. Like Zack Snyder hasn't, you know, I, I don't, I don't even really consider Justice League to be a Zack Snyder movie, to be quite honest. So I would say that (laughs) Zack hasn't really made a movie since his short film Snow Steam Iron. So uh, it's very strange for me to log onto Twitter, like I even have today. (laughs) today getting on Twitter and seeing somebody having written an article about how you know horrible Zack Snyder is because of 
X, Y, and Z. And it's just so strange to me, especially when the article is like, oh, he treats women so poorly. And I'm like, what are you talking about? The women in Zack Snyder movies are awesome. Uh, and his movies are usually very empowering for women. Um, so it's very bizarre, the things that happen on the internet. So I, I can't say that those things don't bother him. That would bother me. I mean, he's a human being just like any one of us. So I agree with you. If you don't like a movie, hate it. Never talk. The, the, the best revenge you can get on a movie or a TV show that you don't like is to never talk about it ever again. <laughs> you know, it, if you continue to talk about it, it gives it some power. So that would be my recommendation for people. Agreed. Okay, so um, now before you and I uh, call it a day, do you have any parting shots on all of this? Do you have anything that I haven't asked you about that you just want to throw out there? Well, I know I've been really harsh on the Justice League movie. There were some things that I did like about it. I really did like the Heroes Park sequence a lot. Yes. Probably my favorite part of the film, getting to see uh, a resurrected Superman take on the Justice League and seeing Superman and Wonder Woman butt each other and you know with their heads. That was awesome. Yeah. Uh, so I can't say you know as a DC fan that that was not exciting for me because it was. Um, I really liked the Amazon Amazons versus Steppenwolf scene. Um, that's another one of those sequences that I point to and I'm like, how can you watch that as a woman and not be super thrilled with what Zack Snyder has done because that was clearly a Zack Snyder sequence he does action better than probably any director who's making movies today yeah. and he has so much respect for those those Amazons and those actresses who played them and you could I could sense that in that sequence they were just so awesome playing keep away from Steppenwolf I just I loved that sequence so much um, and I in even with Cyborg I, I connected to him more on a personal level, level in Justice League than I probably ever have um, in terms of his character, just because of the way he talked about how he felt different because he wasn't physically who he, he used to be. And I, I sort of identify with that on some level because I, you know, I had breast cancer and I went through a double mastectomy. And so there are some things about me physically that are not the same. And so I, I, I personally connected to Cyborg uh, on a, uh, a deeper level because of this movie. Um, so I I don't I can't say that I hated everything about it um I just think a lot of the choices were very strange I I thought it was weird that they sold us a movie that was not the movie that we got I I did hate certain things like Martha Kent calling Lois Lane thirsty I thought that was utterly despicable and totally ruined their relationship and and how close they had become and it that that whole scene was just so so bizarre a lot of weird choices happened in that movie so i don't know i if people love it that's great i'm so jealous of you that you love this justice league movie <laughs> um I, I i wish i could have that same kind of enthusiasm um i i just for me, I just, it wasn't what I thought it was going to get. And so I just, uh, I hope that moving forward, these movies uh, continue to find their own identity and that they uh, come from a, a place of, you know, they get back to that, what they talked about originally was the director driven approach, which I, I felt like got thrown out the window at some point. Yeah. Uh, you know, go back to doing director driven movies and making good movies. Um, and so hopefully, maybe in the future, we'll, we'll get some things that uh, I'll be more excited about. But if, if people love the movies, that's great. I'm excited for you. But um, I, I just, I, I hope to be able to get back to that point. I agree with you. And I guess, you know, maybe the, for myself, you know, maybe the best way to put it is the good does not outweigh the bad with 
Justice League. But having said that, there is a lot of good. And, you know, we finally got a, a really cool shirt rip. You know, for Superman fans, it's like that's encoded into our DNA. We must have this. And Justice League admittedly did give us a good one. And so uh, I guess thanks to whoever's involved with making that little brief sequence at the end of the movie, I at least really liked that and really appreciated that. So there you go. Nearly an hour. I told you that this was going to be about 20 or 40 minutes, and yet it's probably closer to an hour at this point. But uh, hey, that's, I guess, the way things go sometimes. But before we call it a day, why don't, why don't you uh, tell everybody where it is that they can find you? Oh, well, thank you for having me on. First of all, I really appreciate uh, you allowing me the chance to talk about this and kind of it's almost a little bit like therapy for me. I'm, I'm able to, <laughs> to get it out of my system. So I thank you for that. And it's always a lot of fun to talk to you because uh, you have a lot of great thoughts and uh, you're you're a good uh, uh, podcaster to bounce off ideas back and forth with. So I appreciate that. Um, if if people like uh, like any of my thoughts or want to hear more from me, uh, I am one of the co-hosts of a podcast called Supergirl Radio, which is a Ooh. podcast dedicated to uh, the CW Supergirl TV series. And we talk about it, all things Zor-El. We talk about animated stuff, comics, anything, you name it. Uh, we talk about everything uh, that relates to Supergirl. So uh, you can find that at supergirlradio.com and all of the links to all of our social media and all of the places where you can listen to us are there on the right side of the page. Awesome. All right, well, thank you again for uh, for joining in. Now, going forward, I mean, I'm as I said earlier, I'm not completely sure when this is going to be coming out. I'm thinking it's probably going to be a week or two because there's a couple of other things that need to drop. But uh, I'm thinking that the, the listeners are, are, are going to be hearing this sooner rather than later. So just, I guess, for everyone concerned, just something to keep aware of keep in mind uh, there but i think that's pretty much it for me right now so bye everybody i will see you next time